This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer, and welcome to Keep the Faith, my weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. Once again, Thanksgiving is just weeks away. Once again, albeit within COVID-19 guidelines, I hope, we look forward to a huge dinner with family and friends at which the turkey isn't the only thing that's stuck. And once again, there is an annoying little ping in the pit of our stomachs, or there should be, that warns us that something beyond this lingering pandemic is not right. Thanksgiving, after all, is about giving thanks to God for the bountiful harvest of freedom that's rooted deep in the soil of America, a land in which all people are supposed to be considered equal and all are supposed to be equally entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it no longer is that. Instead, it's defined by the crass commercialism that's become the symbol of America throughout the world. That commercialism is tied to Christmas, a supposedly religious holiday of another faith, the majority faith, at least in America, and even our upcoming religious holiday is now bound to it as well. And so the topic for this week is, what happened to the true meaning of Thanksgiving? Almost everywhere we look, we're reminded that Christmas is no longer about the birth of hope into a hopeless world, but about how many of the latest fad toys we can buy such as for kids, the galactic snackin' Grogu, that's a Star Wars toy, or the Paw Patrol True Metal Total City Rescue playset, or for adults, a Galaxy Z Flip 3 Bespoke Edition smartphone, or the latest iPad Pro. We're reminded that religion today is less about ethics and values and more about sales and shopping sprees. Almost everywhere we look in communities with significant Jewish populations, we're reminded that Hanukkah is no longer about bringing the gift of religious freedom into the world. It's now all about the gifts we receive on each of the eight nights. It's very revealing about America that the beginning of the 20th century saw the birth of the trust busters, but well before the 21st century dawned, we saw the return of the trusts. What was wrong with monopolies in 1901 is still wrong with them in 2021, but America, it seems, no longer cares. It's very revealing about America that people today seem more concerned about owning guns than about the damage guns can do. And that apparently applies even to the conservative majority on the U.S. Supreme Court, judging from the questioning by those justices on Wednesday of New York State's gun laws. It's very revealing about America how acceptable it is to us as a society to take food out of the mouths of the poor in order to pay for another fighter plane or yet another prison. If President Biden had requested $3 trillion for more weaponry or enhanced law and order tools, that request would have handedly sailed through Congress. 
but his proposed $3 trillion social services plan has been trimmed down to $1.75 billion. Gone are such provisions as paid family and medical leave and lower prescription drug pricing. Because those deletions didn't sit well with progressives in the House, who want what they want regardless of whether what they want would pass both houses, Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Wednesday said paid family and medical leave was being put back into the package, which means it has little chance of passing the Senate because Senate Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia said on Thursday that he'd oppose the bill when it comes to a vote in the upper house if paid family and medical leave is put back into the package. With no Republicans in the Senate even suggesting that they would vote for the emasculated package, whatever it contains, that package will be dead on arrival at the Senate. If Election Day 2021 is the indicator of things to come, as it appears to be, the American voter doesn't seem to care who's responsible for the people not getting what they need since Republicans did so well on Tuesday, despite the solid wall they've constructed in the Senate. You just have to look at Tuesday's election results to know just how true that is and just how twisted America's values have become. More than 60% of voters in New York City's borough of Staten Island, for example, elected Vito Fasella to be their next borough president, even though he was forced to give up his seat in Congress in 2008 after he'd been arrested in Virginia for driving while intoxicated. That DUI is not why the outspoken Family Values Congressman was forced to resign, though. It's because of who it was who bailed him out of jail. His mistress, with whom he had fathered a child despite the fact that he was supposedly happily married. He had two families, one in Virginia and one on Staten Island. As James Molinaro, a former Staten Island borough president, put it, voters didn't care about his affair because, quote, there's not a man alive that probably didn't have an affair while he was married or before he was married, unquote. Richard Flanagan, a professor of political science at City University's College of Staten Island, had a slightly different take. He laid responsibility for that kind of attitude on Donald Trump. The former president, he said, has transformed the Republican Party. Quote, he's taken off the table a lot of these morality questions for Republican voters. He really rechristened the party as a libertine party. And I don't think any of that personal stuff registers anymore, unquote. Then there's Republican Glenn Youngkin's victory in the Virginia governor's race. A year after the killing of George Floyd, which sparked new efforts to confront America's racist history, Youngkin won, in part, by warning voters about the dangers of teaching anti-racism curriculums in Virginia schools. According to exit polls, that was among the major regions Virginia voters chose Youngkin, and they did so in what was a record turnout for a gubernatorial race there. It's not that people are bad in America. We're not. It's that our values have been completely twisted out of any recognizable shape. 
The two most important holidays on the calendar of the majority population have become watered down by the commercialism that engulfs them. Our one minor festival that comes in between those two has similarly been watered down because of it. What Jewish child would be satisfied today with the traditional few pennies of Hanukkah guilt when his or her non-Jewish friends are unwrapping their Lego videos or their Dreamtopia Rainbow Magic Mermaid dolls? When you destroy the essential message of a religious holiday, you destroy the essence of the religion that holiday represents. You trivialize the religion, and in the process, you trivialize the impact that religion can have on the lives of its adherents. We Jews may not be a part of the majority religion, but considering what's happened to Hanukkah, we're no less affected by this trivialization. That's in part because we Jews have convinced ourselves, or at least here in America, that we're a religion, which we're not, as I've so often said. And so we accept the principle now current in America that religion is exercised in a house of worship and nowhere else. And the exercise of this religion involves saying prayers, observing a few peculiar rituals, and nothing else. Such things as values and ethics, on the other hand, have no place in religion. I'm still looking for the magic words to use to convincingly get the message across that Judaism is not a religion, but a way of life. That to be religious in a Jewish context involves every aspect of our lives, not just how we observe otherwise meaningless ritual or how often we attend a synagogue service. I try to convey that message in my sermons, my columns, and these podcasts, but all I hear over and again is that behavior has nothing to do with being a religious Jew, that whether one is religious is determined only by how closely we adhere to ritual. Deep down, I think all of us know better. Deep down, I think, I hope, all of us know that the reason why God created a kingdom of priests and holy nation was not so we can wear black hats that are too big for our heads or to have macrame strings, tzitzit, coming out of our shirts. It makes us more comfortable to believe that. It allows us to argue to ourselves that these rituals have no purpose in the modern world and that dropping into shul once or twice a year or even once a week is sufficient in order to call ourselves Jews. It allows us to ignore that which truly makes us religious. Having to spend all day, every day, thinking about everything that we do and whether what we do meets the standards that God set. We don't want to meet God's standards. We only want to meet our own human ones. We're not gods, after all. We're humans. And we're afflicted by human frailties. We live on earth, not in the heavens, and we're made of flesh and bones and not the stuff of angels. Some people don't like it when I criticize performing ritual for its own sake. They argue that whenever I say such things, I give people the opportunity to say to themselves, you see, I was right in the first place. Even the rabbi says this stuff is nonsense. Putting on tefillin is not nonsense. Keeping kosher is not nonsense. Keeping Shabbat is not 
nonsense. Observing ritual is essential to being Jewish, but only if that ritual is observed for the purpose intended to symbolize God's purpose in creating this kingdom of priests and holy nation in the first place. If we put on our tefillin for no other reason than that's what a religious Jew is supposed to do, we're not religious and we haven't performed the mitzvah of tefillin. But if we put on our tefillin so that those two black boxes can remind us of God's laws and our responsibilities under those laws, if they remind us of our responsibilities as Jews to the world around us, if they remind us of our responsibilities as God's priests to the world, then we've performed the mitzvah exactly as God intended it to be performed. Donning tefillin on our heads is meant to remind us that the thoughts we have and the plans we form in our minds must be for good purposes, not for evil ones. Donning tefillin on our hands is meant to remind us that what we do with our hands must be for good purposes, not for evil ones. If we keep kosher for no other reason than that's what a religious Jew is supposed to do, we're not religious and we haven't performed the mitzvah of kashrut. Keeping kosher, among other things, is about making us aware that if we need to be concerned about what goes into our mouths, we also need to be concerned with what comes out of our mouths. In other words, it's meant to remind us of the consequences of bad speech. Eating certain meats and avoiding others is meant to remind us that we're abetting the taking of a life so we can enjoy a juicy steak for dinner thus making us aware that we need to respect all life and that we need to care for all life. If we keep Shabbat for no other reason than that's what a religious Jew is supposed to do, we're not religious and we haven't performed the mitzvah of Shabbat. Keeping Shabbat is about accepting the fact that all of creation needs to be our concern. Every human on the planet is as entitled to the same day of rest as we are, and so is every animal and the environment. Keeping Shabbat is, at the same time, both the most socially conscious commandment and the most environmentally protective one. Some years ago, right before Yom Kippur, I urged everyone in my congregation at the time to set aside the amount of money they would normally spend for food on a given day, money they wouldn't need to spend on Yom Kippur, and donate that amount to the poor. A month before that year's Thanksgiving, I also asked everyone to go out to their local supermarkets and pick up one of the free non-kosher turkeys being offered as promotions, and then give those turkeys to us to give to the poor. The food money we raised between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur was pitiful. We had a better response to the request for non-kosher turkeys, but the response still fell well below what it should have been. Instead, I heard many congregants express concern about what had been cut out of some of our services, or about how long those services take. I don't mean to minimize or to trivialize such concerns. 
but going to the supermarket and getting a free, no-cost-to-you, non-kosher turkey to give to the poor is far more important and far more religious and far more Jewish than how services are structured or how long they take. What Jews generally do in a shul has nothing to do with why God brought us to Mount Sinai or gave us the task of being a kingdom of priests. Feeding the poor, on the other hand, has everything to do with that task. Our job is to do what God wants us to do, not what makes us feel good. And the only way to know what God wants us to do is to study the Word of God, to study Torah. To put anything ahead of Torah study is to turn Judaism on its head by putting ritual ahead of practice and the words of men ahead of the words of God. We say as much at the start of our morning prayers, quote, These are among the things that yield immediate benefit to us now and continue to do so in the future time. Honoring our parents, doing acts of loving kindness, attending the house of study morning and evening, providing hospitality to visitors, visiting those who are ill, helping the needy bride enjoy her wedding day, attending to the burial of the dead, probing the true meaning of prayer, making peace between one person and another and between husband and wife. But the study of Torah outstrips them all, unquote. Why does the study of Torah outstrip them all? Why must it come even before tefillah, before prayer? It's because Torah teaches us that deeds must come before ritual. The Torah is our guide to living a truly Jewish life. It contains all of the things mentioned in that paragraph I just quoted, and every other good and righteous act we should perform. God put us among the family of nations in order for us to be a light unto them. And even the lights of our Hanukkah candles should remind us of that. If we don't know how we're supposed to do that, though, then we can pray from today until the end of days. Perform rituals mindlessly from today until the end of days. And yet we will accomplish nothing Jewish. We will fail at the task God set for us. We must not judge our Judaism by how long it takes us to daven on Shabbat or by how assiduously we adhere to ritual, but by how many non-kosher turkeys we're able to amass and distribute before Thanksgiving. That's the only measure that God really cares about. That's the only way we can help restore America's values and the world's to where they truly should be, teaching by example as God intended for us to do. How do I know that? I read it in God's Torah. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer. I do hope you come back for my next podcast. And I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcasts. Go to www.shammai.org, www.shammai.org, and email me, please. If you don't get the Jewish Standard but want to read my columns, go to the columns page of my website. Shabbat Shalom. Stay healthy. 
and stay safe.